Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek Me Radio. Today we have writer, actor, producer Rebecca Miskin talking all about some of her projects that she's been involved in and that she has coming up. Then we'll talk with Lock and Key actor Jesse Camacho all about his role in Lock and Key and what's in store for Lock and Key Season 2. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. And if you don't know, Star Trek from Star Wars will try to explain. There are 12 doctors for Hogwarts houses, one ring rolls and more. And for those of you who have found us online, we appreciate your finding us out there. We hope you're enjoying the show. For those of you who are veterans of Geek Me Radio, thank you for subscribing and tuning in each week. My name is James Enstall, the host of Geek Me Radio, and we always try to bring you very interesting interviews from celebrities, from writers, actors, producers, authors that run the gamut of pop culture. Today, we've got our first guest, Rebecca Miskin. Right now, we're joined by writer, actor, producer, director, Rebecca Miskin, talking about her projects, particularly the TV series Night Owl. Rebecca, how are you? I'm well. How are you, James? Doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, Hopefully, you're staying safe in this weird, crazy times of COVID in which we find ourselves living. (laughs) I am. I am. Although, you know, I keep waking up every day thinking like, maybe today it won't be weird. (laughs) And then it's still weird every single day. (laughs) No such luck. Though we mentioned with all the hats you wear, as a creative person, I know obviously things are kind of a a halt right now with uh, auditioning and acting. And But I guess the writing side of your brain has got to be on fire with ideas and a lot of time in which to play those ideas out. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's kind of the lucky thing about writing is that, you can do it on your own in your home <laughs> while you're quarantined. Um, and yeah, with the help of Zoom and other virtual platforms, like a lot of writers' rooms have been able to continue through the pandemic. So it's been an excellent time just to hone ideas and work on all the projects I have in development, of which there are kind of, I think there's nine or 10, so many. Um, but it's, it's really important to just kind of keep thinking of stuff and keep figuring out what the next thing will be and trying to find stories to tell that will really connect with people, you know? Of course. And with that series, Night Owl, official selection at SXSW. Congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, Oh, thank you. Writing, producing, directing, acting. I know we've talked with some people in the past. uh, Actually, now that I'm saying it, they've, they've been women who said there just aren't the kind of parts they want out there. And luckily, with like you mentioned, Zoom, the technology's in place, uh, the ability to f- film things on your phone, more or less, there's the opportunity there for people to create these roles. Is that kind of where Night Owl sprang from, a desire to kind of create a series or a role that you wanted that just wasn't there? Um, 
That's an interesting question. I, I, you know, it's funny. I never really thought of it that way, to be honest. So Night Owl came from uh, one of the loneliest times of my life. I had just moved to L.A. from Toronto, Canada, which is where I'm from. And I knew absolutely no one there. And I was living on my own in like a one-room studio apartment. And I, you know, thought, okay, like, I'll just write. I'll use this time to write. But I was so lonely kind of beyond the auditions that I had during the day and like before I'd made friends um, that I found myself just like bored and unable to sleep. And so I'd want to just go for a walk but it would be like one or two or three in the morning. I'm like, well, I can't just go for a walk like by myself as a young woman in the middle of LA. So I'd get in my like beat up rental car and drive to the nearest 24 hour grocery store, literally just so I could like walk around in a safe place, (laughs) maybe, maybe get a snack. And, um, and yeah, I started to see the same people at the store. There was a security guard who would make fun of me for how often I would come in in the middle of the night. Um, and uh, and there was a cashier who was also a young woman just like putting herself through school, working the graveyard shift. And this whole time I was, you know, living in L.A., trying to come up with an idea for a series um, and getting more and more into writing, even though it was acting that had brought me to Los Angeles. And all of a sudden, it just kind of clicked. I was like, maybe this is the idea. And it's kind of small enough and contained enough that it would work as a digital series. Um, Because I think that like the kind of content that might work for an episode that's five to seven minutes long is super different than what might work as like a half hour series. Sure. Um, So yeah. So and then... And then truth be told, I I, I moved back to Toronto to do a master's degree and um, in media production. And I sort of thought that I would be writing the whole time I was there. And and then when I got there, I was like, oh, man, I think I have to make something because there were so many resources that were just all at my disposal. And so Night Owl was my master's thesis project. That's how it came to be. So it was, yeah, so it was kind of a a funny path toward making a series, I suppose. But um, I think I thought of it less as like an opportunity to write a role for myself um, (laughs) and more an opportunity to like turn a really difficult time, a challenging time in my life, but one where I grew a lot and learned a lot about myself into a show that might connect with other people. Because I think loneliness is a really pervasive issue, but it's kind of like one of those things that people can't talk about yeah um there's a lot of like yeah there's a lot of like shame around loneliness or like if you if you tell a friend that you're lonely maybe they think like are they trying to like give me heck for not hanging out with them enough (laughs) (laughs) so it's like it's like a difficult subject i think for people to broach with their support network um and even if they have a really strong support network and some people don't have that um, and maybe that's why they're lonely. So I felt like it would just be a show that I needed to make and get out there, um, in hopes that it might make, you know, someone out there who is watching, make them laugh even just once or remind them that they're not the only one who, who feels alone, you know? And it seems like this is a great time for a series like this, because I'd, I'd say probably in the past couple of years, especially the stigma of mental health, you mentioned loneliness, the stigma of mental health is kind of gone away it's not as a oh don't talk about it kind of a thing like like we've seen performances like uh tom pelfrey recently in ozark um performances mm-hmm. like that getting their credit because of uh, the stigma that's kind of being now removed in society so what you talked about the loneliness issue it's kind of a good time for a series like this 
to be out there, especially when people are locked down and need something to watch. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons that um, that we wanted to release it right now. Also, 100% of the profit that Night Owl makes is being donated to three different organizations who are all doing really incredible work. Um, one is um, called the Neighborhood Food Hub. The other is Pathways to Education. And the third is BIPOC TV and Film. Um, so every dollar of profit gets split three ways between the three of them. And yeah, just like it felt like it was just the time that we needed to put it out for exactly the reason you just mentioned, James. Like, that's exactly it. There are so many people who are experiencing an extreme version of loneliness and isolation because of the pandemic. And also, um, if there was a way that we could give back to the community that supported us in making the series, um, that just felt like the only right way to put it out right now. Sure. So, so that's why we're, we're donating our profits and, um, and yeah, just really hoping that like for those who are going through a really weird time, especially because of the pandemic and feel very much alone in it, um, that it might be helpful. Also, as you say, just to have some, some new piece of content <laughs> because everything's getting stale, isn't it? All this stuff on Netflix and all this stuff on all our streamers and, um, like we're ready for some new content. Yeah, and it's amazing that uh, you'd think, well, there's so much out there right now, but I think that's been put to the test in the past three months with people, you know, (laughs) breaking the Netflix and Amazon Prime and everything, trying to, like, just stay at home and watch something just to take away some of the, uh, you know, this stagnation of our time. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's so funny how much, like, I, I mean, I know just myself personally how much I've craved a really great TV show or a really great book to just suck me in and take me into the lives of somebody else, (laughs) really great characters um, or a really intricate and interesting story. Just something that sort of gives you a break from everything that's going on in the world right now, because it's been very intense to say the least. (laughs) Yes. To say the least indeed. What, so what are you watching now? What have, what have been some shows that, uh, as a writer, as a uh, director, are you able to divorce yourself from those hats and just enjoy a project? Or are you kind of still nitpicking? And if so, uh, what are the projects you've enjoyed the most that you've seen during this quarantine time? Oh, man. Um, well, one of the things that I was very bummed about is that I finished seasons one and two of Succession before the pandemic mm. because because it was so, so wonderful. Um, and I just, I just really enjoyed every, every moment of every episode. It doesn't seem like it would be subject matter that would really suck you in. It's like about a very rich white family and it sounds like it would be sort of boring, but it is the absolute opposite and just really fascinating. Um, a really, really great series. Also, uh, Lock and Key, which stars one of the stars of Night Owl, yes. actually. Jesse Camacho, who plays Carlos in Night Owl, is also one of the characters on Lock and Key. And I, I just thought the first season was so much fun. I really I really devoured it quicker than I'd like to admit. Um, and also The Boys. I watched yes. uh, season one of The Boys, and I was so upset because, because I loved season one so much. Again, just blazed through it so quickly. 
And for some reason, I don't know why, but I, I thought there was a second season. And so I like went on this crazy hunt on Amazon Prime being like, something's <laughs> wrong with the TV. Like, where's season two? <laughs> and there is no season two because it hasn't been released yet. Um, so I can't wait till season two comes out. And and it was just, it's just a really fun show. And again, like very immersive storytelling, I found. Um, uh, also Rami, I'm really enjoying actually working my way through, um, through Rami right now or Rami. I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Hopefully I'm not butchering, butchering the name of the series. Um, and also the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, again, just like another world that just really sucks you in. Yeah. And uh, everybody's now going to know that like, I've been watching so much stuff during <laughs> this pandemic. Um, but my last recommendation is uh, for anybody that's looking for a series that just is so gripping, also slightly terrifying um, dark on Netflix. Don't know if you've seen it, I've not. Um, but it's, it's a German series. I would recommend, for some reason, Netflix auto setting is to have it be dubbed in English, but I would just switch the setting so that you get the original German with English subtitles. But it is a sci-fi series about time travel, and it is so cool. I just, like, I can't say enough about this series. And for any writers or directors or aspiring writers or directors out there, um, the pilot is one of the most well-written, one of the tightest pilots I've ever I've ever seen. I'll have to add that to my list. I've not heard of that one before. And like everyone else now, I'm certainly looking for recommendations because I too have blown through just about everything on the streaming services. I know, I know, I know. I think everybody's like ready for some new content. And it's also just so weird because there's no sports. I mean, sports are, I guess, just about to come back. Um, although I, I, I was just reading about... Um, the disaster with, with baseball and uh, what happened with the Marlins yeah. getting sick. So, I mean, I hope it goes well. I hope sports can manage to come back or at least some sports, but yeah, it's like at the very moment when nobody has anything to do, but just watch content, we've like all worked our way through all of it. <laughs> it's like I said, it's crazy times in which we're living. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And do you have anything else that you're working on currently? That's uh, obviously, like I said, you kind of locked down your, uh, hopefully your, your writer side has taken the wheel. What, uh, what other things are you looking forward to starting production on things you've got in the works? We're going to pause right there, take our first commercial break, come back chatting more with Rebecca Miskin. Stand by. Hey guys, this is Neil Hopkins from Stargirl, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back. To Geeked Me Radio, the show which would not be possible without the continued support of our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles. Those of you who have been longtime listeners of the show know the website by heart, discoverstcharles.com. That's Discover St. Charles. Uh, the Convention and Visitors Bureau were the very, very first sponsor to jump on and say, yes, we will back your show. When I started it up, uh, gosh, Coming up on a four-year anniversary, which is hard to believe. Uh, they've been with us since the beginning. They've always supported the show, and there's a lot that we talk about that goes on in St. Charles with the Convention and Visitors Bureau behind it. All the festivals they do, uh, the sesquicentennial, which just happened. Uh, it seemed like it just happened. It was actually last summer, I guess. They've got upcoming Legends and Lanterns, which, due to COVID, we'll see some adjustments to that. It's still being worked out as a very fluid plan as we are just living in unprecedented times 
Uh, but they are making arrangements to continue on with the Legends and Lanterns Festival. If you're a Halloween fan, that's one you've got to see. If you're local, you got to come out and see it. If you're from out of town, we encourage you to come see it because there are plenty of places to stay in St. Charles, uh, to spend a weekend. It's a great place to get away. And they're taking all the precautions necessary in these COVID times in which we live. Check out the website to find out more about the festivals, about the town, about the Convention and Visitors Bureau, the places to eat, the places to shop, places to stay, all the things there are to see and do in St. Charles. That's discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Before we took that first break, we were talking with actor, writer, producer Rebecca Miskin about her projects, and we asked her, uh, other than the ones we've already discussed, are there anything else in the works? Yeah, so um, I actually, I, I starred in a short film um, that we shot pre, pre-pandemic, actually. We shot it last summer, and um, and it's just made its way through post, and it turned out really, really well, actually, which I rarely say about anything that I <laughs> that I'm in. Um, but it, but it, it was really cool. Um, and uh, the director is, is a woman named Sarah Alfaro. She's super smart and talented, and um, and we're working on adapting that into a series. So that's something I'm really, really excited about, just because the short um, is such a cool uh, project, and and it's really going to be interesting to see it come to life in a bigger, broader way. Um, and a couple of other series actually, uh, that I'm working on a half hour show and a one hour show. Can't really talk about them too much more sadly at this point, but very excited about both projects. And yeah, I really do think that it's just kind of about, you know, for me, it's, it's the shows and, and films that really bring us into this world and are so immersive and, um, that, that get me really excited. And I think that for television, you know, it's so much about the characters and, and, and working on projects where you get to delve into characters for, you know, 12 hours or one season, yeah. you know, um, you're really going to spend a lot of time with these people. So it's important. I think that, uh, that the characters you create have a lot of depth and, um, and that their relationships can kind of, you know, breed the kind of conflict that really engages people. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm most excited about. Very cool. And, of course, when you can talk about those projects, I'd love to have you back on, and we'll discuss those as well if you're up for it. Oh, my gosh, I would so love to come back on. You bet. <laughs> Anyone who will listen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things as a as a young creator, you know, when you're starting out, it's it's a really different ball game now than when you even think, you know, what it would have been like for an actor starting out 15 years ago or 20 years ago. You know, the, the talent, the talents that you require have really shifted, I think, because it's and, and when I say actor, I really shouldn't I should expand that to writer and director because, you know, it, it really it really it's not just about having the creative know-how, but also the business acumen to be able to sell your projects. And then finally, like the ability to get the word out there and to market and promote a project, which as you said, in some ways is so much easier that we all have access to technology in a much easier way where we can make content. Um, all of that technology or a lot of it is at people's fingertips. If you have a phone, you know, it probably has a camera. 
But at the same time, it's like, it's harder to stand out in a sea of content because that's sort of what the internet does, right? Is it, it is a, it's the democratization of content. It's all out there. So you're competing with um, this this gigantic ocean of, of other content that's out there. So I think one of the most important things and what's so cool about someone like you um, interviewing the little guys like me is it really does give us an opportunity to talk about our work and talk about our projects and, um, and get them out there in the world, which is, of course, the end goal, the end goal always, I think. Exactly. And it's like one of those things I've always said in the show before, people who do the Kickstarters and the Indiegogos and people like you who are creating this great content need to be showcased more because a lot of times, nine out of 10, it's better than the big budget Hollywood production studios than everything else that, that the uh, the big companies are churning out anyway. So that's always why I'm glad to have people like you on to talk about these kind of things because it's, it's great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I find often the same. A lot of the independent projects um, are in some cases better than than what big studios or networks are are working on. But at the same time, I, I do think about the fact that like there is just so much content that even like a series that's on Netflix, you know, you meant like I just mentioned Dark to you. It's like, oh, I don't know that series. And there's so many times yeah. the exact same thing happens to me. And those are series that already have the right platform. They've got this big streamer that's um that's got their show on on air and and so even that content can get buried so you can imagine like um as you say what it's like for the little guys so it, it is really really cool and i think it's like the opportunity to be able to promote your work but also so challenging for young filmmakers how to how to get their stuff out there and um how to use platforms and use social media in a way that that will promote their work but also not be too over the top or too obnoxious because otherwise you lose your audience as well right it's such a balancing act it is it's it's walking that tightrope absolutely yeah and i think i think the like relevancy of that really is even bigger and broader than just like anybody in the in the entertainment industry it's really it's really for all of us like social media tightrope has become very very intense for i think everybody out there yeah, I would have to agree. And uh, talking about social media too, uh, you're on Twitter at Rebecca Miskin and at Instagram at Becca Miskin. Uh, are there any other websites or platforms where people can keep up with you, your work, uh, see samples of things and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, if you want to watch Night Owl, um, that would be kind of the most important link I think that I could that I could give you. And um, the link to Night Owl is Night Owl dot vhx dot tv and that's where you can find the series that's where it lives that's the website um and night owl is spelled just exactly how how you would think it's spelled um and you said twitter and instagram um also i, I mean i'm on night owl's uh, facebook page it's just at night owl the show Perfect. We look forward to keeping up with that. And like I said, once those other projects are able to be discussed, we'd love to have you back on to talk about those as well. Fantastic. I would love that. Excellent. Rebecca Miskin, thanks very much for your time. Continued success to you. All right. Thanks so much for having me, James. Talk soon. My thanks once again to Rebecca Miskin. A pleasure to speak with her. And I'm sure we'll hear more from her in the future. We're going to take our next break. Come back and chat with actor Jesse Camacho all about rock and key and more. Stand by. Hello, this is Kari Payton, King Ezekiel from The Walking Dead, and I encourage everyone to listen to Geek to Me. It's a lovely program. Would I ever steer you wrong? 
And we're back. Talking with actor Jesse Camacho. This segment brought to you by our other sponsor, Marcus Theaters. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. I'm missing the movies, folks, but you know what? They're doing everything they can to keep the movies going. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. Find the theater close to you. I know I just went on before the show started and looked it up. Uh, a couple of theaters are playing. They just have one auditorium. They're showing Close Encounters of the Third Kind. They've got the retro movies. You can do some of these for $5. And uh, some of them, they're doing the the drive-up, drive-in, however you want to say it, theaters where they're projecting the theaters on the outside of the building, on these giant screens they have, to kind of give you that drive-in movie theater feel. And that way, they're keeping the movie experience alive. And if you're just, you know, you're wanting to stay home, you're not sure... I get it. I'm there with you as well. You can always get on the website and order their special popcorn, sodas, candies, different things like that, and they will ship them to you. It's the Movie Treat Delivery. Uh, You can get on that, and they will send you all the goodies so you can have movie night at home. You don't have to feel like you're missing out. It's kind of like bringing the movie experience home to you. They've got a lot of other things. Go to their website to check out all the things there are to see and do. Uh, Find out if any theaters near you are playing some of these retro classics like we just mentioned earlier. Uh, Get in on the deal for sending the movie night to you at home. All that and more from the website, MarcusTheaters.com. Very proud to have them as our official movie sponsor here on Geeks Me Radio. We're going to go right now to our next guest. We're talking now with actor Jesse Camacho about the series Lock and Key, in which he plays Doug Brazell. Uh, just a runaway hit. Everyone I've heard of that has seen it has raved about it, so I can only assume it was a pleasure to work on as well. Jesse, how are you? Oh, very good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, just it blew me away. I was actually, this is one of those graphic novels I was not familiar with uh, the graphic novel or the comic book series going into it, which I almost kind of enjoyed more because some like The Walking Dead people watch and are like, oh, this person's already dead and this didn't do that. So it kind of lifts some preconceived notions. How familiar were you with the original source material before you went in for the part? Uh, that's a great question. I I knew about it. Uh, I you know, obviously knew who Joe Hill was, uh, who wrote it. And uh, when when I got the audition and then I heard that I was kind of being circled for the part, I ordered them on Amazon and read them in like two straight sittings. And I would recommend reading them because it is it is quite different. Mm-hmm. Like the Savini Squad is not in the books. Um, there's a lot of characters that are kind of you know amalgamations or a, a mixture of people. Uh, comics are a lot darker too, so it's it's really a, a different vibe with a very similar story. But uh, going into it, uh, I wasn't that familiar. But by the time I got to set, I, I'd read them all. And going into the auditions, I know a lot of times with uh, social media, the, the internet being what it is, spoilers run rampant. How secretive were they about what the project was during the audition process, or did you know going in what it was for? How did the audition process work? Uh, I, I don't remember it being overly secretive. I mean, the sides themselves, the, the stuff that we were reading was not big spoilery scenes anyway. Like, it was stuff that I think, you know, not, it's a bit, a bit above my pay grade, but even if it leaked, it wouldn't have been super um, super spoilery to, to the fans. It was more when we got to set. Uh, it was it was more uh, it was more important to keep things um, no, no pun intended under lock and key. But uh, the the actual audition process, uh, I don't remember it being overly secretive. But again, uh, the Savini squad and Doug and all them were new creations, so I don't know if they were too worried about uh, those things getting spoiled yet. Um, but I remember it getting a little more uh, strict once we got to set. 
And was the character of Doug the one you went in to read for? Were you auditioning for something else and got Doug? How did that pan out? That's actually a pretty funny story because about a year before, uh, I don't know if everyone knows this, but Lock and Keys kind of had a really a crazy, rocky road to getting made. And just a year before Netflix acquired it, they had shot a Hulu pilot uh, in Toronto as well. And I actually auditioned for Rufus uh, in that version of it. Uh, a year before, and that version of Rufus was played by uh, uh, Thomas Barnett, who ended up playing Sam Wessler in this version. So, it's yeah, that's kind of a fun story. But, uh, yeah, I originally auditioned for Rufus in the Hulu pilot, and then when it was uh, kind of getting reshuffled a year later at Netflix, Doug was the first role that I read for. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a fun little uh, wacky story there. And congratulations on it being renewed for a second season. Um, obviously, with what was happening towards the end. Again, I hope people have seen it by now, but I still hate giving spoilers just in case. Uh, the way it ended, obviously, I think we'll see more of the Savini squad in the second season than we did in the first, if I if I read the, uh, everything correctly. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so, too. You know, uh, when I was uh, down in L.A. for the premiere, you know, uh, everyone seemed pretty excited about the squad. And, yeah, definitely the way the season ends, I know I'm very much looking forward to seeing uh, how things are going to unfold now that, you know, we know a bit more, a bit more about the people in the group. Without, to, yeah, in case people haven't seen it yet, without spoiling it, uh, I think it's a really interesting dynamic to uh, to explore. And uh, when I was hanging out with like Amelia and Patrice and oh, I, everyone down south, we were like really excited about the prospect of what's to come. So we'll see. I mean, the you know uh, Meredith and Carlton are very secretive, but uh, it, it sounds <laughs> like there's going to be some fun stuff in store. And some of the scenes that you were in were just literally like edge of your seat. Uh, the, the cave scene when you guys were trying to film in the cave. Yeah. Um, so I, I know obviously there's movie magic involved in everything. How much, obviously the caves were all exterior shots. I'm assuming right. then the interiors, the water that was all done on a sound stage. Talk a little bit about filming that scene, how your feelings were, uh, how it was done, et cetera. Well, you're, you're exactly right. The exterior stuff was shot in, uh, Lunenburg, Nova Scotia, which was a beautiful location. That was actually the last thing that uh, I shot was going down the steps uh, into the caves. But yes, the interiors were in a soundstage in Toronto that actually flooded, especially soundstage. And that was probably the funnest week of shooting I've ever done in my life. Like, I grew up, <laughs> you know, I love things like the Goonies. I love Stranger yeah. Things. I love all those really fun kind of group adventure films. And uh, it was literally like living that. It was like going to an amusement park every day. I remember the first day that we saw the caves, I don't remember, I think we got there a little early just to, you know, they wanted to see what our swimming abilities were and stuff. There was a, not not a lot, but there was some brief underwater stuff that got cut, so they were testing all that out. And uh, Patrice and I got there first, and we were just walking through going, this is literally like jumping into our favorite movies as a kid. It was <laughs> the funnest week with the, the funnest people. Like, it, it definitely the, the highlight week of my career, for sure. Hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for more Savini adventures in season two. So obviously, uh, again, people who watch this, they, they love to see the characters interact. Who was your favorite person to interact with? Was there anyone, one of the actors who really surprised you more than another? And if you would talk a little bit about uh, your experience with the other members of the crew and cast. We're going to pause there, take our next commercial break, come back, continue our chat with actor Jesse Camacho. Stand by. This is Alan Oppenheimer, the voice of Skeletor, and you're listening to Geek to Me. 
and we're back. Before we took that last break, we were chatting with Jesse Camacho and we asked him about his experience uh, working on Lock and Key with this very talented cast and crew. Oh, God, that's a great question. It's tough. Um, well, I, I will say, I mean, it sounds like such a cliche, but we really like, I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have been in the industry for a little while. I don't think I've ever been on a set as cohesive and loving as this. There was not a second of tension. No one ever argued, like, you know, the, the most tense it ever got was when, you know, you've got a long day on the shoot, and people are like, we got, we got to get this, we got to get this before the end of the day. And even that was, like, super, super easy going. Um, God. Well, I, I will, I'll say this. Like, obviously, everyone in the Savini squad and I are super, super close. We still keep in contact. But I think the one that people will be surprised that I get along with uh, is uh, Halia Jones, who plays Eden Hawkins. Her and I are uh, two of the actors that live in Toronto, and I talk to her almost every day. We're really, really super close. We only had uh, one real scene together in season one. But, uh, yeah, her and I, we just, you know, we get along. We bonded. I go see her, well, not anymore with the lockdown, but I yeah. used to go see her <laughs> every Monday night at uh, at this great uh, little bar in Toronto called the Grapefruit Moon where she'd get up and sing. She's an incredible singer-songwriter. So I think that's the one that people would maybe be the most surprised about, that uh, Lee and I are, she's, you know, become one of my best friends. But, I mean, in the squad, it's so hard to pick. I mean, it just... Getting to work with those people every day it was it was never a chore. It was just so much fun. They, like we almost didn't know the difference between action and cut because we would just be joking around and <laughs> having fun. So the most surprising one would be Halea, but you know the, the whole squad is like a family. And you talked about you know you've been in the industry for a while. Uh, born in '91, but I think your first gig on IMDb is listed as '94. Uh, you're born to parents. Uh, both your parents are actors, so I yep. guess that was kind of one of those. Uh, no pressure about going into the family business, but wow, you really hit the ground running early. <laughs> you know um, that that is that is that is a bit of a, an error. It, it is. Uh, I I started when I was uh, I believe I was eight when I first started. So that, that, I think my first credit there is from Never Ending Story three, and that's a bit of a mistake. I did a show called Tales of the Never Ending Story in Toronto. It's not the same thing, but yes, I, I did. I wanted to act since I could you know, uh, since I was aware of what acting was. My parents were, I think, understandably a little hesitant at first. They're like, you know, there's a lot of rejection in this. Uh, it's, it's basically a heartbreak industry. But once they saw that I was like, no, this is it. I want to do it. They're like, all right, well, let's go. And they have been, you know, the most amazing uh, supportive people. But, uh, yeah, basically since I could talk, I wanted to to try it out and perform. And if you see any videos of me as a kid, it's just all me trying to be the center of attention. I must have been the most <laughs> annoying annoying little kid but yeah it's definitely a, a family business my sister's in it as well my sister's a talented young actress uh, living in toronto too so yeah it's 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 just i guess it's in the blood is there any friendly uh family competition between you and your sister as far as getting parts and stuff like that i, I think uh between m my sister and i there might be a little bit definitely not obviously between us and our parents right <laughs> uh, we look to them they're all, they're the gold standard to us but yeah sarah and i there's there's a definitely a bit of a sibling, a sibling rivalry uh, we're pretty we're, we're we're pretty tight. Sarah Sarah's the master of voice work. My sister does incredible animation stuff. She's a very talented on screen actress as well. But if we're talking animation, she just mops the floor with me. Like it's not even close. And as an actor, obviously, uh, you still got so much of your career ahead of you. Are, is there anyone? Uh, let Let's say three actors on your bucket list who'd love to work with during your career. Oh wow, great question. Um, I would say uh, I actually had a very brief interaction with this person, but. I'd love to work with her, and that would be uh, maybe Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. 
big Jennifer Lawrence fan. Um, Saoirse Ronan, I'm, I'm a big fan of as well. I think she's uh, she's incredible. And uh, you know, I'll just keep the the old uh, the old actress thing going. Probably Meryl Streep. I think that's a lot of uh, oh yeah uh, actors. You know, uh, dream is to work with her. Yeah. And as an actor, like I said, again, you've been in it for a while. Are you able to sit back and enjoy movies that are obviously, like you mentioned, Goonies and everything like that? That's one of those just you jump in and you love it. It's a classic. New movies that are coming out. Do you, do you find yourself kind of like as an actor uh, of your caliber being like, eh, I would have done that differently? Are you able to just shut the acting part of your brain off and enjoy movies still? You know, it's funny. I, I have a lot of friends that are actors that that can't do it. They like, you know, they think about, oh, I would have done this or. You know, I, I thought that they could have done more with that. I, I guess I have some kind of innate ability. Yeah, I just don't think about it. I just kind of go in and enjoy it. Like, sometimes I'll watch something and I'll, I'll almost turn that part of my brain on. Like, oh, I wonder, there's no way they got all those actors on that location. This must have been <laughs> shot at different times. Or, oh, that exterior is not that interior. But usually, I'm able to kind of turn it off and just enjoy it. I've been I've been accused of being very easy to please. Like, uh, it's it's pretty rare that I strongly dislike a film or a television show, even if it's kind of universally panned. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm fortunate that way. Cause to me, it's a bummer when I speak to like a colleague or someone who's like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't see past it. I can't enjoy it for this reason. I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'm spoiled. I, I guess I would say that I haven't yet. Um, let me make sure that I'm not lying when I say this for the most part, I haven't joined something that I've already watched. Uh, meaning like I haven't gone on a show that I had seen before or anything like that. So maybe if that was the case, like if I were to book a job on like Stranger Things, maybe I'd watch it differently afterwards, uh, having been a part of it. But, it, you know, if I'm seeing something with fresh eyes, I usually don't think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that's, that makes perfect sense. And uh, being, like I said, you're in film, 12 and Holding, Less Than Kind, Kick-Ass 2. Uh, you've been TV series, Night Owl, Insomnia. What is it about a job that it really excites you? To That really, like, uh, obviously as an actor, you've been doing this enough where you can kind of be a little choosy about what you do, but what what is it that really excites you about a role when you are offered a part? Well, uh, that's, that's very kind of you to say. I don't know if, uh, if, I, if I'm choosing quite yet, but I've been very fortunate to... Uh have been a part of like some some really in, incredible stuff um you know for me it's always been it's the teamwork aspect i really like the people that, the first question i always ask when i'm lucky enough to get a job is who else is doing this and i try to contact them right away because for me i love working with people meeting new people i love group dynamics which is why you know i was on um you just listed it i was on a canadian show for four seasons called less than kind which is other than Lock and Key, easily the highlight of my career shaped me the most as a person and an actor. And the best part of that show was the cast and the crew, just working with those people. I just like growing those bonds. You know, I always find a lot of people say that being an actor is a bit of a lone wolf because you're going from job to job. And that's, that's fair enough. But for me, it's all about, you know, you're joining a new team and you're all working together to make the best thing you can. And I've been super fortunate that I have never really been a part of something where there was a bad apple or there was, you know, someone that kind of screwed it up for everyone else. So, yeah, for me, that what, what really, like, lures me into something is the group of people that are involved, the talent that are involved, and, you know, getting to develop a chemistry with people. And that, again, to bring it back to Lock and Key, was what was so special about this was from day one, you know, me and the, the, the cast, they were so welcoming to me. And, you know, me and uh, Asha, who you know, who plays uh, Zadie, were very much more the supporting peripheral characters in that squad. But... We were welcomed by Amelia and Patrice and Griffin and 
the crew as if we were leads of the show, uh, which just you know creates a great dynamic off the bat. So yeah, for me, it's the it's the group dynamic, the teamwork. And staying with Lock and Key, obviously, we mentioned earlier it's been renewed for a second season, which is very exciting. Have you been given any kind of a report to set on this date? Uh, do you know when you'll start shooting your scenes? Have you given any updates on filming the second season? We're going to pause there, take our last commercial break, come back, wrap up Geek to Me Radio and our conversation with Jesse Camacho. Stand by. Hi, this is Greg Weissman, the creator of Gargoyles and co-creator of Young Justice, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. Stay well. Welcome back to the show. Wrapping up our talk with Jesse Camacho, before we took our last break, we were chatting with him about uh, if there are any updates on the beginning of filming Season 2. Uh, you know, nothing concrete. Um, I know that uh, I think the original plan was to go again around now. I could be wrong on that, so... Please don't add me, Meredith or Carlton. But uh, I, I think it was around now, but obviously because of uh, things that are going on, they want to be really cautious and sure. make sure everyone's safe. So it, it has been pushed. Where, um, where my involvement is, I know that uh, they've been very kind to me and they seem to, to really like the squad. So uh, I, I assume that uh, you're going to see more of us. Uh, but the exact nature of what we're going to be doing, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I'm super excited uh, about it, but uh, no, I, I don't really know much in terms of clues. That they were kind enough to invite me to the writers' room when I was in L.A., but uh, you know they uh, they were tight-lipped, man. They didn't they didn't let us know anything, but they seemed super excited, and I trust those guys in my life. So I'm just I'm, I'm going to be reading the scripts as a fan. So I'm very excited. Perfect, and we're all very excited for that second season. Uh, let people know where they can find you on uh, Instagram, Twitter, social media handles, where they can uh, look for you, and what some of your upcoming projects are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on Instagram, I'm under uh, Jesse JD Camacho. Uh, some, I, I try to put up some fun behind-the-scenes stuff on there that I think people will enjoy. And on Twitter, I'm uh, at Jesse one one five one one five. I need to update that. That's my homeroom from high school. So, <laughs> yeah, at Jesse one one five one one five. You know, for now, it's uh, it's just walking key. I did a fun web series a little while back uh, that you mentioned called Night Owl that we're hoping to put out really soon. And uh, yeah, other than that, it's kind of just been sitting around twiddling our thumbs, waiting to get back to set and have some more fun and, uh, you know, do, do this second season. And, you know, there's no better time to binge watch the show if you've missed it. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously happy to sit and wait until it's safe right? Uh, and make sure everyone gets to go to work and uh, not have to worry about anything else. So, yeah, just a, just a bit of the waiting game, but I'm I'm happy to do it as long as it's safe. Exactly. Uh, no better time if you're going to pop up uh, Netflix while you're sitting in quarantine, stay at home and watch Lock and Key so you can get ready for Season 2 when it does drop. Jesse Camacho, this has been a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Anytime. That's going to do it. Another one in the books. We hope you enjoyed geek to me Radio today, our 184th episode, quickly approaching 200, which is hard to believe. My thanks to Joey V, who has been making the show sound as good as it is and getting it out to you uh, in as many forms as possible. You can look for us on SoundCloud, Podomatic, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and he's finding more and adding more places every time I turn around. So thanks to Joey V for making the show become ubiquitous. Uh, we appreciate our sponsors, of course, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Discover 
stcharles.com and marcustheaters.com. If you'd like to advertise with us, become a show sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email, james at geek2meradio.com, and just in the subject line, put show sponsor in all capital letters so I make sure to see it and doesn't accidentally go into my spam folder. Uh, that's going to be it. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound. Planet Earth, good night. Hi, this is James Enstall, host of Geek Me Radio, and in honor of my favorite Themyserian, I've decided to become an Amazon warrior. Harrod, give me strength. The next time you want to buy something from Amazon, go to geektomeradio.com first and click on our Amazon affiliate link. Simply shop like you normally would, and when you check out, a small percentage will go towards supporting the show. So remember, the next time you want to search Amazon for the latest Wonder Woman graphic novel or parts for your invisible jet... Click through from geek 2 radiocom first. The world was in peril. Would you have me stand by and do nothing?